Howdy folks, welcome back to the new Sprint Commando. I'm your host, Ed Moore. This episode, I continue my coverage of Pacific Comics by looking at those books put out by that publisher in November 1981. And they include, but perhaps they're not limited to, well, no, in this case, they are limited to. Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers, issue number three, dropped November 27th. 1981, and it was the only book that Pacific Comics put out in November of 1981. If you guys have any feedback that you'd like to leave, you can tweet me at Teal Productions or Newspeak Commando. Teal is spelled like the color, T-E-A-L. Teal Productions also has a Facebook page. You can leave comments there. The email address is imindyman at gmail.com. The website for the podcast, comicbooknoise.tnc. That's Tango November Charlie. And we have forums at justanotherfanboy.freeforums.net, if that is your speed. Now we're looking at, as I said, Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers, issue number three. This is scripted and penciled by Mr. Jack King Kirby, inked by Mark, uh, inked and lettered by Mike Thibodeau, and colored by Steve Olaf. This Captain Victory story is entitled Encounters of a Savage Kind, and the Dramatis Personae include the previously seen Captain Victory, Major Clavis, Terran, Orca, Mr. Mind, and in this issue we have Harris, H-E-R-A-S. Also on the bad guy side is Lightning Lady and many insectons. Now looking at the cover, we're told at the top, to save our world he dared to seize the Mother of Horrors. In defense of our galaxy, Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers. And the picture is this big, nasty, evil insecton that's all green, uh, big red eyes, gnarly, jaggedy teeth. But he's got these mandibles that look like a claw coming off the forehead above the eye and a claw coming from the cheek down and up in front, uh, a large one, uh, like a, a large tooth on both sides of its head. So it looks like it's got these huge set of double pinchers, but they don't, they're not articulated. And it is chasing after Lightning Lady, presumably to rescue her as she has been captured by Captain Victory. Here in the lower left-hand corner, we have a little inset that says Ms. Mystic, Neil Adams' backup feature. And it's got a little bust of Ms. Mystic drawn here, all in black, long, white, flowing hair. Caucasian lady with a some kind of swirly thing on the side of her head, maybe to hold her hair back or something like that. Inside cover, we have an ad for Captain Victory and Star Slayer, the two books that Pacific is currently putting out so that you can subscribe to them. You can get six issues of either for $5.50, and you can get a free fantasy catalog just by checking the box. And these will be coming to you from Pacific Comics of San Diego, California. All right, the first story page. Our narrator is telling us the Insectons have landed on Earth. They are a ruthless, implacable force with the instinct to conquer. Each minute that passes bears grim new evidence of their plan to stay. But, win or lose, we are not without Captain Victory and his Galactic Rangers! Encounters of a Savage Kind, created, written, and drawn, Jack Kirby, inked and lettered by Mike Thibodeau, colored by Steve Olaf. And uh, all of that takes up eh, about half the page, and the rest of the page we have, um, let's see here, we have Captain Victory, 
Major Clavis, Terran, and Orca, and the local sheriff from, um, what's the name of the town? Mechanicsville? No, let me look. Spartanville. That's the name of our town, the Sheriff of Spartanville. And they're inside the hive looking at it, and it looks like this, really, the walls and the ceiling and the, it, it it's circular, right? But what would be the walls and the top and bottom roof and uh, floor appear as jagged, angular, crystalline kind of structure. They're looking it over. They're going in a little bit, you know, trying to check things out, scouting before they determine exactly what they need who to call down for help. And as we go through the first um, three pages, the first two pages are full-page panels, and then the third page is the nine-panel grid. They're talking back and forth about how things aren't right. Normally, by this point, the insectons are just swarming to get rid of whomever has invaded their hive. Very, um, what would that be, ant, uh, perhaps, or bee-like uh, as far as far as I know, uh, in the behavior, I don't I don't know um, hives, ants and bees are, are really the only hiving insects that I can think of off the top of my head. There may be others, but spiders. Is there any species of spider that hives? I don't know. But um, they're not doing anything until finally the captain just says, "Okay, we've seen enough. It's time to contact the ship for infantry backup. Let's try to take this hive." And we see him call out on a wrist communicator that he carries. Dreadnought, Tiger, this is your captain. I'm calling for a Code 3 assault. Initiate procedure on the double. And then the next is a two-page spread that's really cool. Very Kirby. Shows um, to the left on a large screen is coming through the captain as he just spoke. But the rest of the scene on the right are two levels of command space where they have computers and view screens and things like that. To the right foreground is the person that he's speaking to. This is going to turn out to be, I believe this is Harris. Yes, H-E-R-A-S. But the cool thing is that it's a huge room on this two-page spread, right? Over on the left, kind of hanging, are like pad uh, covered, um, encased in glass like patios hanging off the wall, right? Two levels. Harris is on another level, but the rest of the room is open, and you can see down onto the floor where the squad that has just been called out is coming out of their quarters on the left-hand side, running across and then doing a 90-degree going through a door that's in the background away from us as we're looking at the panel. Um, I hope I described that correctly. Kirby machinery all over the place, view screens and lit uh, light up things like um, tubes, neon tubes, and, and things like that. Just very, I don't know, just very Kirby is really uh, the only way I have to describe it. If you've ever seen Kirby do, you know, futuristic interiors with lots of scientific gadgets, that's that's what this looks like. Next page is Harris and Captain Victory talking. Harris is telling Victory and his little um, little check it out, hit squad here need to move because the main forces are coming down and they'll start attacking as soon as they land. Victory refuses because they still have humans from Spartanville that they have to locate and they're going to try to do, they're, they're going to continue to try to do that as long as they can, either until they have no more time or they locate them. We cut back to our mini assault crew until, uh, not until, but 
they finally stop as, which one is this? Is this Major Clavis, I believe, has found some of the inhabitants of Spartanville. They're contained um, near the ceiling of this room, kind of held there by like a, a goo or a webbing of some sort. And when they fall, we find that they are just sacks of fluid as the insectons have inse- injected some sort of digestive enzymes into them and they have ballooned out and are just bags of food now until the insectons want to eat. They try to uh, shield the sheriff, but he wants to see what's going on and he rushes up, screams, my God, my God, and then he turns his head as he says, some of those things, friends, neighbors, and getting some, some gumption, he turns back around and yells out, what are the blasted insectons? What are we up against? And Taryn tells him that they are an insect society, highly evolved, intelligent, and very aggressive. Will I say, kill them, kill them all, he screams. And Captain Victory tells him, they'll be killing, mister, killing on both sides. But let it be done in the name of survival and cosmic law. There's nothing more we can do here. The infantry will finish this job and we'll learn it all. Move out, move fast. I've seen some shadows that don't belong to us. And those are the words on a uh, full-page spread here that are just the word balloons. Uh, Captain Victory is off panel. But the panel is of several insectons attempting to sneak up on this little uh, spy force that we've got going on here. We cut to the tiger as we see a jump ship or drop ship, whatever you want to call them, detach itself, come down to the ground here at Earth uh, by the hive. The assault squad fan out, and we see that Mr. Mind is among them. He's not supposed to be. Our spy group, led by Captain Victory now, is outside the hive, and they uh, meet up with the assault group, and Victory starts giving Mr. Mind the, the what for. He is the last of his race. He's not supposed to be there. That makes him an endangered species. They can endanger an endangered species knowingly. It's against galactic law. Yada, 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 yada. Cut inside the hive, and we see Lightning Lady talking to one of her subordinates as this huge creature is unleashed. That is the creature we saw on the front panel. And she says that she's been... For weeks, I've poured life energy into his gestation chamber. I've given him only one directive, to kill, kill. And she sends him out towards the, um, or at the, rather, the assault group of Galactic Rangers. And we see that this creature is strong enough that it's just busting and breaking through the walls of the hive. Like they're just not there, like they're paper. So it's making its way to the Galactic Rangers. The Galactic Rangers now have started their assault on the hive. They're just shooting away, trying to draw the insectons. And still, things are kind of weird because the insectons are not, pardon the pun, biting. Uh, They're not coming out. They're not attacking. They're not swarming like they normally do. And so finally, uh, Captain Victory, we, we focus on him as he starts to feel the ground rumble until finally says directly, Uh, beneath them, but it's not. It's a little in front of them, and from beneath pops up this huge new insecton. Uh, Insectin, I guess, rather than saying insecton, it's insectin, uh, that they've never seen before. They've never had to face uh, this type of creature, so this is a new uh, species, I guess, Lightning Lady has created. So the Galactic Rangers here, the assault group, attack it, but it, it doesn't really seem to have any effect 
on this new giant creature here. They're shooting and shooting, and it, it seems uh, the one, actually, let's see, is that here? The one soldier says, no, it's not here. It's somewhere, though. They say that it's that this new insectin is actually feeding on the, here it is. We can't stop that thing. It feeds on lasers. The lightning ladies come up with a showstopper this time, and Victory says, it's big, it's tough, but it hasn't stopped us yet. Keep firing! And it... Um, it just bulls its way through the, the line of, of Galactic Rangers. So they're turning hither and yon, shooting at it. They're starting to be grabbed and thrown and eaten by this large creature. But still, they just stand there and they keep firing. They're not really <laughs> coming up with anything else until finally Mr. Mind um, tells everybody to kind of stand aside here as he uses this device that he has created as part of his little um, extravehicular thing, the, the little ship kind of construct that he uses to get around. Because, uh, again, from previous issues, I believe I've described him, he, he appears as just a head, like Egghead. Or actually, it's it's a lot more like um, Modok from the Marvel Universe, um, except he's in this big circular flying disc dish kind of thing rather than walking around on any kind of funky legs. But he just appears as a big head. He has no other appendages. He has no torso. Just a giant head, eyes, mouth, nose, you know, etc. So it has devised this thing that it fires at the creature. And the ranger troopers say that he's put this insectin on ice. But he says his condition is purely psychosomatic. I merely switched his thoughts from murder to cosmic temperatures at a fascinating ultimate. Yeah, interesting verbiage. So... This creature, though, is covered in ice, and it has stopped. And so, by thinking it was cold, it covered itself with ice? I'm, I'm not sure psychosomatically how that would work. Um, again, Victory gives Mr. Mind a little bit of what for about why he's even... It's like, he just saved your tail, and you're still going to give him grief. Don't get it. Don't get it. So, after defeating this creature, they head back to see if they can find Lightning Lady. You know, something is up. The The insectans aren't acting the way that they normally would, so they figure that the, the, the rangers figure that they'll take advantage of this and now go hunting to see if they can find the leader. You know, maybe something is up with the insectans and, and they'll have access to the leader, which they normally have not had before. So they decide to go and see if they can find Lightning Lady. As they're Traveling through the hive here, Orca is uh, assailed from behind. Terran saves him here with the shot. Now the insectans attack, and these the, the little spy force that we had before, joined by Mr. Mind. So it's Captain Victory, Major Clavis, Terran, Orca, and now Mr. Mind are delving into this hive, attempting to see if they can find Lightning Lady. So they're moving through until finally they do, and they find her. She's surrounded by many of her insectan guards, but we see that she has surrounded herself with the brain, the, the mind-controlled children from um, the little town. What did I say its name was? Spartanville? That doesn't sound right. Daggone it, I need to write it down. Yeah, Spartanville. Uh, Mr. Mind again puts the whammy, or not again, well, he again he uses his mind powers, and he puts the whammy on Lightning Lady, and instantly she believes that the children that she is coddling turn into a giant monster. And so she shrieks and, and tries to get away from the monster. 
and moves and ultimately is grabbed up by Captain Victory. Now, these next several word balloons are just weird. I don't know who wrote the text, but it is it is bad. Um, Captain Victory, let me take you out of all this, babe. You deserve the big time. The ruling, uh, next panel, a ruling from the Galactic Council. Let's go. In the next panel, she says, you can't hold me, Captain. You're lacking in exercise. And he responds, I catch up quickly, honey. It's an old talent of mine. Come along, next panel, come along, and I'll tell you all about it. And she responds, I'll fry you with high voltage first. Now, that one actually makes sense because she can control electricity. The rest of those are just, that's bad. <laughs> that's just bad dialogue. Ugh. So she does indeed give him the lightning whammy, but it has no effect because Mr. Mind has minimized her powers. Um, he says she'll find he's an electric sponge, even as you kids become a rather unwanted prize as he's talking to the kids that he's collected up. So now he tells all the kids to gather around and with a TZWOF, zwoof, he teleports away from the insectans that were closing in on them. Back to the Dreadnought, perhaps, or back to just outside. We're not sure, because here shortly the story ends. But not before we see the rest of our force, Captain Victory, Major Clavis, Terran, and Orca, fighting off the Insectans, get outside of the Hive. Victory hands Lightning Lady off to some of his uh, some, some others of his troops and tells him to take her to the shuttle and up to the ship. As he's handing her over, he says, take her to the reap. Uh, take her to the rear, Sergeant. See that a shuttle takes her up to the ship. And she says, he'll never make it. Victory, next panel. Galactic Rangers always make it, madam. You'll find our kind extremely capable. Beast of the field, she says. I don't, yeah. And then um, we see that the American military here has arrived and referred to by Captain Victory as native troops. That can only mean one thing, the fighting airborne it says, uh, for the next issue. And that's where our story ends. So, cool. Uh, to me, lots of action, lots of Kirby art. Um, just definitively Kirby art. It, it definitely looks like Kirby. One thing I did notice is between this story and the Ms. Mystic story, which is scripted, penciled, inked, and lettered by Neil Adams, colors by Steve Olaf, who also did the colors for Captain Victory. The colors look completely different between these two stories, just totally and completely different. If I was not told, there would be no way I would believe that they were colored by the same person. And that just... Um, there's a part of me that is just fascinated by that. You know, color is color. Blue is blue and green is green. Yeah, but the shades and the tones, and I guess part of it must have to do with the line work and the inking that has been done in preparation for the application of the colors. Now, yes, of course, I know, you know, you have different styles of different palettes of color. You know, some are heavily saturated, some less so, and then you have day glow colors and more sedate you know i i understand all that well to an extent i understand it's possible uh, but it, it's just really interesting in this one book to see these two completely different types of coloring by the same person so next up we have a full page ad for neil adams Ms. mystic pacific comics is pleased to announce a new comic series etc etc coming in 1982 which is the next year from when this came out. But 
we do have a one, two, three, four page teaser here. As we open up, the narrator tells us this is the American bald eagle. Only the smallest fraction of people have seen this dramatic bird of prey firsthand. And it's a really cool image because we see a the bird large and then offset and to the left a little bit we see the smaller bird like it's shifting a little bit in time and space as we're watching very cinematic i think is is the intent there it has come to symbolize this is the narrator continuing the fierce pride that millions of americans feel towards their country it might seem strange to some next panel that the pride is not translated into a concern for the species survival and that panel is of a uh, target on the eagle, and then we see a bullet uh, shoot the eagle through the neck. Next panel, hot damn, I got him. You sure as hell did, Mr. Egan, a clean kill. He didn't know what hit him. Oh, uh, by the way, there might be some salty language here coming on. What did I tell you about this spot? Isn't it great? And then the final panel of the uh, of this page, we see this figure of this woman, uh, very, very distinctive uh, setup, I think, for the woman. She's she's wearing like a black unitard uh, that comes all the way up to her neck below her chin, but it's open in stripes uh, going across her upper chest and curving around to underneath both arms at the midriff. But the unitard is black, and it's a deep black, but as it goes down towards her feet, or legs and feet, it the the black thins and so as it's moving down her arms and torso are a definite black but starting at about the waist the black lightens up until her feet are a very very light gray and it, it transitions gradually throughout the rest of her body there long long down past her actually you can see uh from the front looking between her legs to the back her hair is still there so long white hair and again, this curly affectation metal hair holder maybe thing that starts at her ears and spirals tightly around until it is at the top of her head in that section of the spiral. And it looks like two antennae almost because it's on both sides. She's rising up uh, on her. It's like she's been laying in the water on her back. And so she's just rising up in the terror of the terror. The tran the not translator, the narrator. Wow, words. The narrator tells us, 38 miles away, the tranquility of a gentle creature is disturbed. Rage fills her to the core. She calls upon the water to rise her to a place from which she can see better. Into the clear sky rises the form of Ms. Mystic. And now she starts flying around. She feels that the eagle has been injured and flies towards these three men. She summons up some kind of energy sword, and as Mr. Egan is about to take a shot at what they believe is the bald eagle's mate, she slices his rifle in two, and then she motions and, and um, using whatever force, plucks Mr. Egan up until he's suspended in the air, and then uses the earth she, she commands a portion of the earth to form large wings that attach themselves to Mr. Egan. And she sets him to flying over another portion of the land where some other hunters are also hunting eagles and they start taking shots at him. And he's yelling and screaming that he's a man and he has, a, has children and, and all this kind of stuff. So after experiencing that for a little while, she takes him back over to his group and um, 
takes the wings off of him and lets him plop to the ground. Well, the two men that were with Mr. Egan when Ms. Mystic snatched him up went and got a police officer who is now there waiting. And um, curious exchange here. The two men with Mr. Egan say, you know, that that's her officer. And, and the officer did see her bring him back and um, dispatch the wings so that he fell and all that. So he, he knows that she's she's something, right? The officer comes at her. He's got a shotgun, it looks like here. This man has been kidnapped and assaulted by you, young lady. Will you submit to arrest? She says, will he prefer charges? Prefer, P-R-E-F-E-R, or should that be proffer? P-R-O, yeah, I don't know. P-R-E-F-E-R, prefer charges? Hmm. Yeah, shouldn't that be proffer? But no, no charges. But Mr. Eek, says one of his dudes, no charges, he says. And now, will you arrest Mr. Egan for killing a bald eagle officer? Miss Mystic says. And the officer says, "I'll uh, I'll take him to the game warden." I um look, I don't know what happened here, but you you clearly have incredible abilities. Why don't you pursue real criminals, bank robbers, the mafia? Why? And she cuts him off. It's got a very stern look on her face. And now we see that where these openings are in her unitard, she's got a jewel uh, right below her throat uh, in her upper chest. Real criminals? You're not serious. A bank robber is at worst a temporary inconvenience to a small number of people. The real criminal criminals are those who steal our future. Next panel, as she um, causes the shotgun to fall into pieces, she's cradling and carrying this dead eagle that we can see is bleeding uh, from the wound in its neck. The real criminals are those who, through malice or ignorance or stupidity, destroy, degrade, misuse, pollute, and consume all the bounty that this world has provided. But it's not they who suffer from their acts, but their and your children who will live in this polluted world. And tomorrow, one bald eagle won't fill a child's heart with pride and wonder. Very pro nature kind of... Uh, diatribe she's spitting out there um not that i disagree um my I, I might not you know be choosing my words all that wisely but i'm not saying that i agree or disagree with her but just i thought very very harsh words kind of puts me in mind of uh, words we would hear from the main character of mike grell's shaman's tears i think a little bit later on about 10 12 years from now in shaman's tears from image but yeah, very, very harsh. And and so when her book starts, if Miss Mystic uh, continues that type of characterization, it'll be an interesting story to read rather than yet another superpowered crime fighting superhero-y you know, kind of person. Not that that's bad, but we have all kinds of those already, don't we? So um, that's, that's everything for my look here at Issue 3 of Captain Victory from Pacific Comics. Looks like next time I have scheduled to look at Issue 3 of Harrier Comics' Red Fox. So if you're interested in that, be here for that. If not, more Pacific Comics the episode after. Either way, guys, thanks for hanging out for half an hour or so. I'll talk to you guys next time. Ciao.